We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. During the day, he gave off the impression of being a simple, disheveled old man walking through Little Italy in New York City while wearing a bathrobe and slippers. Engaging in bizarre behaviors such as talking to parking meters, muttering to himself, and pissing in the streets. In actuality, he was the head of one of the most powerful of the five New York crime families of the American Mafia. From his humble beginnings in the Lower East Side of New York to his rise to power in the mob, we discuss the life and crimes of, at one time, arguably the most powerful mob boss in the entire country, Vincent the Chin Giganti. Hello, uh, spook, spook daddies, ghoul friends, ghoul friends, spook daddies. I almost got that completely wrong for a second. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Ooh, I was like, right. which way around is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to this week's episode. Ghoul daddies, spook friends. Uh, oh, this spook is mamas. a disaster. Fucking hell. Um, it's gone off the rails. <laughs> so <already. early>. uh, <laughs> Uh, welcome to this week's episode of Horror House. Uh, I'm Dom. And I'm Amy. And thank you for being here uh, this week. We know that you have a a wide choice of, of podcasts that you can listen to slash you can watch. Um, but the fact that you've decided to listen to us or to watch us if you're on YouTube, that means a lot. Um, that is a very nice early Valentine's Day gift. From you to us so thank you thank you very much we appreciate you we appreciate you amy my love how are you doing this uh this here evening this here evening um yeah i'm good it is a very nice gift thank you i want to just echo that thank you for that lovely early valentine's gift i mean i would have preferred a blowjob yeah. but it's fine it's difficult to do via youtube um i'll, I'll I mean, take the it would be a bit instead. weird if i said it it would be a bit weird if I said I would have preferred a blowjob as well. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's be honest, everyone would have preferred a blowjob, given half a chance. Um, but it's fine. Also, can you imagine if our views and listens converted to blowjobs? I'd be sore. Uh, yeah. This uh, that, I wouldn't have anything sorry. left. I'd, I'd be sucked dry. You'd like, be... Genuinely... Like uh, the I'd tiny, pointy bit of candy, like when you suck a sticker up for too long. <laughs> They'd make a prison shank out of you. But yeah, sorry. Other than that aside, <laughs> talking about blowjobs, I'm good. Um, I've had a good week. I'm very excited for this episode. Um, a lot of people know, well, maybe not know who this guy is, but are familiar with this guy. So I'm excited to talk about him. Yeah. Um yeah, he's been on my radar for a while. Um, I I was going to talk about him before, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to keep this one a little bit. Um, uh, you know, we'll do a few mafia episodes, and then and then we'll talk about this guy. Um, so very excited to talk about old Vincent Giganti. Um, but before we do 
dive into the life and the crimes of the enigma in the bathrobe, um, as he is so lovingly um, called one of his many fantastic monikers. Um, Amy, I believe that you have some true crime um, news for us. Um, I do indeed. If you don't know, we 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 have started um, sort of a new a new thing for the show where we give you guys some true crime updates before we get into the main case, main topic um, of the episode, because we don't give you guys enough true crime. We, really <laughs> don't. we don't give you enough. We need to give you more. <laughs> we need to give you more up-to-date, to-the-minute true crime. Um, and short <laughs> exactly. of actually committing crimes ourselves, we thought this would be a nice <laughs> way to do it instead. Um Shout out to Reggie over at Tutjig who gave me one of these stories because I forgot um, because it was my idea and like all good ideas, they're forgettable. Idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I'm sorry about that. It's, uh... it's the ADHD. It was a great idea when I had it, but then it's gone forever. Um, so I did forget. But I have got two true crime updates um, in the world of crime that have happened this week. Um, and they're both... A, very different, and B, pretty fucking wild, to be honest. Um, our first one. Con man racks up £700 bill on two-day bender before doing a runner. Because... Wow. Why not? £700? £700 in a two-day bender. On a two-day two bender. Yeah. Um, police are on the hunt for a convicted fraudster who ran up massive tabs at two pubs before going on the lam. Construction worker Phil Moss, 39, who already has a whopping 32 convictions, seven of which are for fraud. What the hell? Oh, no. <laughs> um, racked up a combined bill of £695 oh, no. during a two-day bender back in November 2018. Um, he booked into the Wyville Arms at Constable Burton and the Countryman's Inn in Hunton in North Yorkshire. Um he managed to knock back. To be honest, when I read this, I was like, this is really bad. It's really bad that he's done these businesses out of money. But this list is impressive. And Dom, you know how much I like okay. seeing a man eat Big Mill. So this list is... Yeah, sure. yeah I do. Um, so <clears throat> he knocked back an astounding 16 pints, 15 vodkas, Eight Jägermeisters, four glasses of Zinfandel, two gin, one bottle of Prosecco and one bottle of Rosé, alongside two steak dinners, a steak pie and two mixed grills in two days. Fair. Wow. Wow. That's, that's right? impressive. That it's, is impressive. Um, I mean, it's terrible, obviously, that he's done these pubs out of money, but also... Oh, of course, yeah. my my, yeah, that that's a lot. Of um, yeah, Congrats. it's that. I, I was about to say that's very steak heavy. <laughs> it's literally like it's very steak steak heavy. steak. Um, and I'll go for a mixed grill, but it's got I steak on it, grill. so it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> and and a um, pie. Also, as long as it's got steak in it, <laughs> and a pie, as long as it's got steak in it. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a theme also, running um, through these meals. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, also, I know uh, 
nearly 700 sounds 700 quid sounds wild but what you don't know listeners is this man lives in london and one of those pints cost him 300 of those 700 he doesn't (laughs) he lives in yorkshire so that's how you get 16 pints for under 700 pounds by going up north um (laughs) having somehow managed to evade in london or or kent you're, yeah. you're, you are not getting that's a three grand Ooh, bill definitely not absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. um having somehow managed to evade his eye-watering tab for no less than six years this happened in 2018 um oh, moss was due in court this week only to dip out of that too um claiming that he was waiting for knee replacement surgery of all things um okay Fair york enough. magistrates went ahead and convicted mm-hmm. him anyway um, issuing a warrant for his arrest in order for him to be sentenced to prison, which is hardly surprising considering the amount of convictions he's got. No. So that is oh, no. uh, <laughs> our, our North Yorkshire con man. Um, elsewhere, How... so I ahead. don't know why I put my hands up. Like I hand up. Like I don't know why school. you put your hands up um, either. But go ahead, please call her. I, I just really don't know. <laughs> uh, Miss Amy. Um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I kind of like it. Uh, <laughs> Miss Amy. No. Um, okay, no. No. I've, Actually I've no. Maybe maybe one more time. My question now. Maybe one more time. <laughs> Miss Amy. Um <laughs> I've on, completely no. forgot my question. Now. I've gone all warm. I, I could totally forgot what I was gonna say. Don't um, worry about it. Oh fuck, what was I going to say? I genuinely it, it's 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 escaped my brain. Was it um, something about the price of pines? Um, no, no. Um how many convictions for fraud did you say he had? So, 32 convictions total, seven for fraud, not including this one. Okay. It's a uh, lot, isn't it? Once you've once you've got, like, I don't know, your fourth fraud conviction, you should probably start to think, maybe I'm not very good I'm not fraud. very good at fraud. Yeah. Maybe I should try something else. <laughs> Although 32 convictions, maybe I'm not very good at crime. Just uh, Yeah, I was about to say, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, go straight just not edge, a very you'll good be criminal okay. in general. <laughs> yeah, just give it up. It's, um, it's clearly not for you. <laughs> no. um, our second story comes from elsewhere in, in the world. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just composing myself before I, I say this headline. Um. Okay. Mum shares bed with husband's corpse for four years and tells kids what? to quote keep mouths shut. Oh. Uh, sorry, I probably should have given you more warning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't think of two more different <laughs> news, I know. news stories, true crime news stories than that. Yeah, but we're going with it. <laughs> we're going with it. Um, the woman named Svetlana, who was fifty kept her spouse Vladimir's corpse in their bed and warned her children not to tell anyone or they'd be sent to an orphanage. Um, Vladimir, 49, died under mysterious circumstances in their large detached house four years ago. Um, <laughs> mysterious circumstances. <laughs> according to... Mis- mysterious. Um, wife definitely killed him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the wife killed him. Oh, Tank's upset about it. In a report by... Uh, rg.ru which I think is a Russian website um, 
quote, the woman wrapped the body of her deceased husband in a blanket and took him to her room. Um, she then told her children, who witnessed the family drama, to keep quiet, threatening them with the orphanage. Social workers discovered the mummified father when they visited to check in on the family, which included two girls aged 17 8, and twin boys aged 11. On previous visits, they hadn't noticed the mummified remains. Did they not smell it? I, I mean, I think... If they're mummified, I'm guessing she had some sort of process. She'd maybe you, treat you know those bodies? um maybe you know those um tree air fresheners that you put in your car. She just had a fuck ton of those. <laughs> she just stuffed a load of them into him. And was like, we need to. This bitch stinks. We've got to. Uh, we've got a tiny it's tree. Fine. He smells like pine now. Just it's all guzzling be for okay. breeze down his throat. Um, <laughs> uh, dear. A source told a local newspaper that Svetlana had performed, quote, ritual ceremonies with the mummified remains in the family's six-bedroom house. Both she and her late husband previously had been involved with occult rituals. An Egyptian cross was discovered at the feet of the mummified remains in a house in, oh my God, that's the longest place name I've ever seen. Darasaviskaya? Starovasaskaya? Yeah, uh, we'll that go with it. right. Um, a village yeah. in the Leningrad region. I was right about the Russia part. Um, the house was filled <laughs> with various occult items like tarot cards, amulets, skulls, and numerous images of Anubis, the ancient Egyptian god of the dead. They probably don't want to come to my house. Not that there's a mummified man here, but that basically is a description of my living room. There is a mummified man there, people. She's just saying that. Um, yeah, that's wild. I don't need a mummified man. I've got a vibrator. <laughs> the woman living there had told people missing. Oh, we're, <laughs> so... we're not going to... We're not. This brings back memories of when, for some reason, we got onto a whole tangent about what's in your drawer. Um... Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's still the same. Um the woman living there had told people her missing husband was receiving extended medical treatment in Tibet. Um, Svetlana has been detained and is currently undergoing psychiatric tests as investigators work on the bizarre case. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, th I, so, I yeah. think there might be something just a tad wrong with Svetlana. Just a, just a, yeah, there just might be smidge. something there. <laughs> the thing is, Someone, though, I'm not quite right. I mean, obviously, this is in Russia and, and not in the UK or, or the US, but I'm not 100% certain she's done anything wrong. I, I don't think she'll have broken any laws because unless she killed him, which obviously is a whole different thing, but if he died of natural causes and all she's done is not, oh, maybe not reporting the death, that would be where the crime was. But in terms of keeping the body in the home, there's there's no law against that you could you can do that uh yeah like it's she probably did things that were illegal but i suppose not yeah. maybe that maybe it's just a bit of a gray area on this one i mean the whole thing's a fucking gray area you're sleeping with a corpse let's leave it in the gray i don't want to bring um, that out into the black and white um but yes anyway wild, those those are our yeah, two that's crazy Crime stories Jesus. from over the globe today. <laughs> um, and back to back to you. 
very different extremely different um, yeah, I <laughs> wild stuff wild stuff um so you name dropped this person um did in our first you either name dropped them or you or i mentioned them and you knew who i was talking about but you might not have known their name but when i was like uh -huh. he walked the streets in his bathrobe you were like oh i know i know of that person I can't remember. I can't remember now. Can't it was a long either. time ago. <laughs> me, me neither. Although you saying that I name drops them makes it sound like I know them. Um, I don't. <laughs> but yes, um, Vincent Giganti, uh, the one-time boss of the Genovese crime family. Let's get into um, the life and the crimes of Vincent the Chin Giganti. Are you ready, Amy, to dive in? <clears throat> As ready as I'll ever be. So, Vincent Giganti um, was born in New York City um, on March the 29th, 1928. Um, and he would spend the majority of his adult life um, in Greenwich Village. His mother, uh, Yolanda, was a seamstress and his father, Salvatore, uh, was a watchmaker and both had emigrated from Naples. Um, Giganti was the youngest of five children. Um, he had four brothers, uh, Mario, Pasquale, um, and Ralph, who all followed him into the criminal underworld. Sorry. You okay? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know why, but they all sound very manly. And then I mean, they do just Mario, Vincent, Pasquale and Ralph. It just makes it sound like Ralph was maybe, you know, in the special class at school or something. Yeah. Ralph got done a bit dirty with that one, didn't he? Yeah. Um, he just does. Poor Ralphie. Very... Poor Ralph. <laughs> poor, poor Ralph. He tried. We'll poor find Ralph. a job for you. Um, so, so yeah, they, they all followed him into the, into the mob life. Um, he also had, had a brother, um, Louis, um, who chose a very, very different path to his brothers and would become a city, a city councilman and a Catholic priest, um, oh. uh, at okay. St. Oh my God. Uh, St. Athan, Athanasius Church in, in the South Bronx. I think I completely fucked that up. He became a Catholic priest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the takeaway here. How does that even come about? <laughs> like, your, all of your brothers are like, yeah, I'm joining the mob. And then Louis was like, no, I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> I guess. I've got two very different answers, so I'm going to give you them both. The first one is sometimes God just calls you and you have to become a priest. And the other one, is maybe he just really liked young boys. <laughs> Hopefully it's the first answer. <laughs> Let's hope it's the first one. Yeah. Although, <laughs> probably <Ooh>. the second. <laughs> so, um, his brother Louis um, would um, state that his nickname, The Chin, um, stemmed from their mother, affectionately calling him uh, uh, Chinzenzo, I believe, or Chin Chinzino. 
um, as a boy, um, which is derived from the name uh, Vincenzo, uh, the Italian um, form of Vincent. I think I, I completely butchered part of that, and I do apologise, any Italian Nothing listeners. to do with his chin. How upsetting. I mean, he did have a pretty prominent chin. It wasn't massive, but it was, it, it was there. <laughs> I mean, if, I guess if people are calling you the chin... People are going to look at your chin. So, yeah. Yeah. A diligent student, um, Giganti went to a Catholic uh, school. However, he had a rebellious streak. Um, shocker. Uh, the mob boss yeah. liked to rebel against authority. Um, and he would often get into trouble. Um, eventually, uh, Giganti would drop, would drop out of high school at 16 to start a career as a boxer. Um, so with the chin as a nickname, I suppose that's just a natural progression, really. But it seems like this is a thing because Nicky Scarfo was a boxer very early on. Um, so I don't know if it's a prerequisite to becoming a mob boss as you have to be a boxer at some point in your life. It's probably just like a a tough guy thing, isn't it? Oh, a tough guy. Probably. You know? Probably, yeah relatively able to handle yourself to be a mob boss otherwise you know how will anyone be afraid of you that is true um i had to stop myself going into my my mob voice there for a minute so sorry about that (laughs) you did well um i think you should bust it out at some point during the episode though but you held that in surprisingly well (laughs) when you least expect um (laughs) like but I, I think there might be there might be something to that. Um, I think as a mob boss, um, and there's a YouTube channel um, called the Original Gangsters Podcast, which talks about um, talks about mafia sort of news, but is sort of a general organised crime. So they talk about outlaw biker gangs. They talk about um, the mafia. They talk about you know various organised crime groups. Um, and Scott Bernstein, um, who hosts the show, has said, sort of, as a mob boss, you kind of want to be loved, respected, and feared. So maybe, you know, that's where that fear sort of comes from. Um, yeah. So, uh, as a light heavyweight boxer between 1944 and 1947, uh, Vincent Giganti would have 25 fights and he would win 21 of them. Um, a very brief career, but that's a pretty good win-loss record. Absolutely. Like that, that was damn good. You go, Chin. So he knew how to... Yeah, he knew how to take a punch and throw one as well. Um, he knew how to take one so, of the Chin. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, I was waiting for a Chin pun. I was like, it's going to happen. It was terrible. I should say, <laughs> but, you know, it works. So, uh, when Giganti was a teenager, uh, he was taken under the wing of future Genovese crime family um, boss uh, Vito Genovese, um, who had helped finance an operation um, for Vincent's mother. Giganti um, would fulfill all of the demands placed on him throughout his. Um, mafia apprenticeship, you could you could call it. Chin was 
arrested seven times between the ages of 17 and 25 on a variety of offences, including receiving stolen goods, possessing an unlicensed pistol, auto theft, arson, and bookmaking. Um, that's a that's a nice varied rap sheet. Um, yeah, it'll cover for, all the bases. For old chin. Exactly. I mean, <laughs> saying that, stolen goods, possessing an unlicensed pistol, auto theft, and then arson... That's quite an escalation. Um, it kind of I mean, reminds me of, um, you know, on the old, um, <laughs> on old DVD. Oh, God, this is going to make me sound so old. Um, on old DVDs where they were like, you wouldn't steal a car. <laughs> you wouldn't steal this. Don't pirate DVDs. It reminds me of that a little bit. <laughs> like, you wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't steal goods. <laughs> you wouldn't possess an unlicensed pistol. You wouldn't commit arson. <laughs> And he's just sitting there like, yes, I would, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, do you know what, though? If Goodfellas has taught me anything, which is obviously where I get all of my, my mob-based info, <laughs> um, it's that sometimes you've just got to burn down your own business for the insurance money. So so maybe it was something to do with that. Bit True. Of arson. So the majority um, of these uh, charges were overturned or settled with fines. Um, during that time, um, Vincent Giganti was only imprisoned once for a dizzying 60 days um, due to a gambling conviction. Um, so that's pretty good going. If you're arrested seven times between the ages of 17 and 25 on quite a lot of offences and you only spend 60 days in, in prison, that's that's pretty good going. That's yeah, I guess that's not too bad. I, I could do 60 days, I reckon. Do you know what? I yeah. need to stop saying stuff like this. On our um, <laughs> collaboration with They Don't Stay Dead, I was like, you only get a $250,000 fine for torture. I mean, fuck it, sign me up. And now I'm like, <laughs> 60 days in prison for arson? I could, I could get over that. That's fine. I need to stop because yeah. one day people are going to be like, so are you okay? No. <laughs> That's fine. I'll 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 cover for your arson charge. It's fine. I'll be your alibi. I should be like, ah, no, she 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 wasn't there. She, she wasn't you'll there. cover she my arse. What are you talking for about? The arson. I like it. <laughs> Makes sense. <laughs> I'll cover the booty. Um, cover the booty. <laughs> okay, you go to prison for sixty days. Uh, and I'll just be out torturing people. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> And then I'd just be sitting to myself being like, wait, this isn't fair. <laughs> <laughs> Something has gone wrong. I've been played. <laughs> <laughs> Too late for that now. Um, <laughs> also, during this time, um, Giganti would state that his occupation was as a tailor. So uh, Vito Genovese um, was not the, not the founder of the Genovese crime family. Um, it was Charles Lucky Luciano who founded the family in the 1930s um, with Genovese as one of his most trusted allies. But before Luciano could enjoy the full rewards of his labor, he would run out of luck and was charged with, holy hell, was charged with 62 charges of compulsory prostitution. What's compulsory prostitution? What makes it compulsory? Oh, oh, oh. 
Um, so I, I assume sixty-two wait. charges as well. That's that's a lot. <laughs> I guess that means I, I guess it means forced prostitution, right? So he's got potentially sixty-two so. ladies um, who he is forcing into <clears throat> selling the uh, punani, which is definitely wrong. Yes. Um, that's what I'm assuming anyway. I don't think this. I can't think what else Holy compulsory crap. prostitution would mean. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Holy hell. Holy hell, Lucky. That's a, that's a lot uh, of hookers. You didn't get, didn't get a lot of luck, though. Charged with 62 charges of compulsory prostitution. Yeah, um, he didn't deserve it if you're, you know, making no, women no, sell no. themselves. Don't be a prick. No. No, Let them do it of their own um, free will. Just want to clarify, uh, he he doesn't deserve luck for that, listeners. Don't come after me. So, uh, following um, Luciano's release um, from um, prison, he was deported back to Italy. Um, this has sort of turned into a bit of a Genovese family history lesson. Um, but our friend... Uh, the chin will will come back into the picture very very soon. Um, so obviously Charles Lucky Luciano was not able to run the family from Italy, um, so he needed to pick a successor. Um, naturally, considering the uh, relationship and the friendship that he and Vito had, um, Vito Genovese would expect that he would be chosen as the new boss of the family. Um, he was like, "Yes, it's my time. My give time me, shine, give me that baby. promotion, Lucky. Give me that promotion, give me those boy. Like we're 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 best buds. Give me those hookers. <laughs> God. <laughs> <laughs> However, that that obviously the, the the friendship and the relationship didn't didn't come into the picture when Lucky Luciano was was selecting the new boss of the family because it definitely." It wasn't Vito that he chose. Um, it would be Frank Costello chosen to head the family, which Vito Genovese did not take uh, particularly well. Mm. Um, I mean, that's that's probably got a sting a little bit. Uh, yeah. I, I think if I was sort of in the trenches with <laughs> with someone and, and I, I would sort of expect to, to them to be like, yeah, you're you're going to be the new boss. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like when you're doing. I guess he never promised it to him. He never said, "Okay, I'm going to no, make you didn't. the boss if you do this, this, and this." What he was actually doing was just a load of extra work, kissing ass, thinking that he might be in with a chance, and apparently that does not pay off. Moral of the story, don't put in any extra effort unless you're certain you're going to get something out of it. Huh. Yeah. Do the do the absolute minimum <laughs> at work. Do the bare um, minimum just unless just you're the sure bare minimum. you're going to be rewarded. <laughs> unless they're making you store manager, don't do manager don't no. do manager tasks for minimum wage. <laughs> Rule number one of work do and also life, don't be good at something you don't want to do. And you can follow me for more business advice on LinkedIn. <laughs> I'm, I'm very good. So, yeah, 
Viso kind of got um, a little bit, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Stiffed. What is the phrase? Yeah. Yeah. He kind of got a little bit, um, a little bit played by 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 his his buddy fucked um, in the ass he got he got a bit fucked Sorry. over um i'm getting aggressive again <laughs> and to be fair you know that there, there probably wasn't an agreement um that that he would become boss um the sort of fallacy of of the mob is that it's built on on brothership and and loyalty when it's not um so I think this could be a, a a good example of, you know, yes, you might have friends in that life, but those friends would, you know, happily screw you over um, if given the chance. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, you lost me when you said fallacy. <laughs> I said fallacy, Amy. Oh, fallacy, God. So, it has the same effect, I'm afraid. What were we talking about? Fallacies, apparently. Okay. Um, I have some authority on this subject. Uh, this, this no, is just keep... now become on with the mob. A very... Keep going. <laughs> it's now become a very different podcast. Um... We're going to talk about chins, <laughs> not fallacies. So, uh, while Vito Genovese was obviously a loyal associate of of lucky luciano loyalty only goes so far when you're ambitious um and obviously vito genovese was ambitious and he did want that top spot he wanted to be boss he wanted to be head of that family uh and he was a bit miffed um so naturally vito genovese decided that frank costello needed to go um and uh, Viso Genovese would turn to Vincent Giganti to make that happen. Um, and as I said, Vincent Giganti has now come back into our story after our little history lesson of Vito Genovese and the Genovese crime family. Um, so on the evening of May the 2nd, 1957, um, Frank Costello returned home after enjoying a nice dinner with his wife and a, and a few friends. A black Cadillac would slowly drive up to the curb behind Costello's um, cab as he made his way to the front entrance of his apartment building near Central Park. Uh, a shot would go off as Costello stepped through the building's uh, vestibule. Um, Costello would stagger into the lobby and fall onto into a leather couch as a shooter would burst through the door um, and into the waiting Cadillac. Despite the obvious aim to kill Frank Costello, um, the bullet, in in the, the most obscene stroke of luck, the bullet only grazed his skull and he would survive the assassination attempt. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what Frank Costello had done to get the luck of the gods, but Grazed the bullet just grazed his skull, <laughs> and and he was he just got a bit of a nick, and and he was he was he was a okay, <laughs> well not a okay, um, but well no you've got a grazed skull, a but yeah, <laughs> I mean, fair. That is crazy when you think about it, like truly millimeters. 
to the bright side yeah. or whatever, and he would have been dead. <clears throat> yeah, which was the aim. Um, so it's pretty mad. So it's kind of like that was insane good fortune um, for Frank Costello, but also it's a bit of a haphazard assassination attempt at the same time. It's, it's not not <laughs> your know, not the finest <laughs> moment. <laughs> I mean, if you've if you've missed by that little, just have another shot. Yeah, like, like quick. Yeah, and you'd get him. Um, but that didn't happen. So yeah, yeah. No. You just Do you reckon him headache, he, um... basically? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Reckon he went went back to to Genevieve, and Genevieve was like, "So he's dead, yeah." <laughs> and then Vincent's like, "Uh, uh yeah." Uh, Yes. <laughs> let let me tell you, centimeter to the left, and he would have been. I was I was close. <laughs> you know, if if we're just don't doing re- like a pass fail grade, then you know I'm at least seventy percent. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when Costello was questioned by police about the man who had attempted to kill him, um. He would consistently deny ever getting a clear glimpse of the shooter and would even deny hearing um, the gunfire at all. Um, and I, I hear people ask, why why didn't he tell the police? Um, at least, you know, I, I got shot. You might not have seen who he did it, but why didn't he tell the police at least I got shot? Um, he He's a mob boss and he knows the code of a murder. And if you don't know what the code of a murder is, it means that you do not talk about the mob. You don't admit that it exists. You don't admit that you're part of it. So I, I don't think the police were ever going to get anything from that interview. Because <laughs> snitches get because stitches. He, he's not going to... Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's not going to admit... Um, you know, he's loyal to the life and he's loyal to the code. So... Um, the police, unfortunately, um, didn't really get much from their interview. However, the doorman, uh, he was very talkative and proved <laughs> a lot more helpful to the police um, because uh, he would describe the gunman as a six-foot-tall man with a stocky build. Um, don't forget that Vince Giganti was a boxer and he did have a bit of a stocky build. Um, so... Bitch. He's a bit of a stocky boy. Uh, he's like the wide Putin meme. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Um, so uh, the police decided to put 66 detectives on the case um, and the doorman would soon identify the shooter as one Vincent Giganti, shockingly enough. Um, who could have seen that one coming? In 1958, Vincent Giganti was detained and put on trial for attempted murder. Um, However, prosecutors were unable to um, make the charge stick, um, despite the doorman's identification, um, because uh, obviously Frank Costello stuck to his code and insisted that he wasn't able to identify his shooter. Um, As a result, the charges... Uh, against Giganti would be dropped. Following his 
acquittal. Uh, Vincent Giganti would thank Frank Costello for his loyalty. Costello, um, very quickly taking the hint, um, would step down as boss of the family and retire, clearing the path for Vito Genovese to become the head of what is now known as the Genovese crime family. Um, So remember, friends, if you're having a bad day at work, it could be worse. Your boss could try and shoot you in the head or get someone to shoot you in the head. Or almost shoot you in the head. (laughs) Or almost, yeah. They might graze your skull and you might be okay, but, you know, they could always try. (laughs) I mean, I've had some pretty bad days at work in the past to which maybe a skull grazing might be preferable. (laughs) Um, I I love that um, Giganti was like, it just goes to Costello. So, I know I shot you. I know I, I tried to shoot you in the head and all, and, and sorry about that. that I hope we can go to the pub later and, and have a few drinks still. Um, but I, I do also want to, to thank you for your loyalty, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I should, you should probably step down as boss. And Costello's like, oh, yeah. I'm, you know what? Vito can be the boss. I'm, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> yeah. It's not the most subtle of hints, really, is it? No, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> so, Vito Genovese um, is now boss of the family. He's now head honcho. Um, after being passed over by Lucky Luciano, he's now got what what he wanted. Um, however, he wouldn't relish his position at the top of the of the family for very long not as a free man um anyway uh and that's because himself and giganti would both be found guilty of trafficking in heroin in a federal court in 1959 um a number of letters attesting to giganti's good reputation and work on behalf of new york city's youngsters resulted in him receiving a sentence of seven years while Vito Genovese was given a 14-year term. After five years, uh, Giganti was granted parole and Vito Genovese would pass away in prison um, in 1969. Uh, Soon after this, Vincent Giganti was given command of the Greenwich Village crew and was elevated from the rank of soldier to the rank of captain. Now, being a captain slash Kappa regime, um obviously now meant that he was a little bit higher on the priority list for law enforcement uh the heat on him had turned up just a little bit uh just a tad so this would be uh when vincent giganti would start the infamous multi-decade charade um that made him infamous and one of the most intriguing crime figures uh, or figures in the American Mafia. But before we get to that, I think now is a good time to take a break. Um, Amy, what do you think? I think so. Partly because I really like this next part of the story and I want to be prepared for it, but also partly because I really need a wee. <laughs> the <laughs> the never-ending saga of how long Amy can hold her bladder. <laughs> not long. Uh... I mean, we've been recording for an hour. It's a miracle I've made it this far. So 
that is i am impressed to be fair Thank you. i am Thank impressed you. I've, been, um, I've been working on it <laughs> uh while amy goes and empties her bladder um and i go and make myself a drink um we're going to take a quick break uh and we shall see you very very soon hello twisted humans do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder conspiracy cults or haunting then this is the podcast for you we're bringing the most intense stories that'll keep you up at night he was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and felonious assault but he was only sentenced to five months of probation and this would be the last time that anyone ever saw Fiona. Uh, there are allegedly two women who also drowned in the first class pool was this the same glowing green that they'd seen in the darkness the night before he had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of stains on it, which were most likely blood. Join us every Tuesday for a glass of wine or sangria and a dose of true crime. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted, Twisted and, and Uncorked. What do you get when you mix someone who loves true crime and horror movies with someone who's afraid of their own shadow? Someone like you? I'm glad you asked. You get the perfect podcast. We're Carmen and Joanna of Live, Laugh, Murder podcast. We're not your typical true crime show. Here at Live, Laugh, Murder, we tell stories that might be true crime or they might be the plot of a horror film. Can you tell the difference? Don't worry, though, because all is revealed by the end. We are true crime sometimes. So check us out. We release bi-weekly on Saturdays. And remember to live, laugh, but never what, Joanna? Murder. Never murder. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Welcome back, everybody, um, to this week's episode. Um, we have talked about the early life of Vincent Giganti. We've talked a little bit about the crime family itself, a little bit about Vito Genovese and Frank Costello and Luca Luciano. And, and we, we've covered a few people and, and done a bit of history as well. Um, so now we're in part two and we're gonna we're gonna dive into exactly why Vincent Giganti is is quite a uh, intriguing figure in in the mafia sort of sphere. Uh, Amy, are you uh, what how did you find part one and are you ready to dive into Giganti's method of of evading prison for for a, a quite a long time to be fair? Yeah. Um, I found it good. I learned a lot of things I didn't know about why he needed to do what he's about to do in part two. So that's good. Um, I think I, I only know this guy for the same reason that maybe a lot of people know him. And that's his weird method of evading capture. So mm -hmm. it's good to know what happened that made him need to do that. <laughs> it's filling in my blanks, good. which is good. not a phrase that I use often. <clears throat> no. <laughs> um, so, cool. Let's let's dive into to part two, um, which is is hopefully going to be a a bit of a fun listen. Um, so, uh, Vincent Giganti um, would be charged uh, in 1969. Um, with conspiring to bribe all five members um, of the uh, old 
Tapan, New Jersey Police Department, in order to inform them of law enforcement agencies' surveillance activities. Um, however, uh, his lawyers would present reports from psychiatrists at his trial that he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia. Um, as a result, and as a result, the accusations against him were withdrawn, and he was deemed incompetent to stand trial. Over the next ten years. Um, 10 or so years, his influence and power inside the Genovese family would increase um, and Giganti would finally become um, the boss of the family. In 1981, after uh, Vito Genovese's um, successor, um, Philip Squint Lombardo would step down due to poor health. I don't know where the Benny Squint nickname came from. I do apologize. Maybe he just had very bad eyesight and he squinted a lot. But I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not the sort of name you want, really, is it? No, <laughs> it's, it's not. To be fair, I've noticed that the mob aren't particularly creative with their nicknames. Like, if someone's fat, they'll just be like, oh, that's fat Mario. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If there's this someone's like got a it. big nose, it's you like You know where you stand. <laughs> you know you know when like women go to their husbands, this is very stereotypical and I apologize. But when people go to their partners, Oh, do I look fat in this? Like the mob just completely blows that out of the water. They're just like, no, <laughs> you know, you're fat Tony, so yeah, you do look fat. Sorry. Yeah. Um Let's if someone's got a big now. nose, they're like yeah, yeah, exactly. If someone's got a big nose, they're like, yeah, that's uh, that's Tommy Big Nose over there. Exactly. <laughs> there's, there's no denying what what is no. happening here. And there's no <laughs> ambiguity whatsoever about whether or not someone has a big nose or is fat. No, absolutely not. Um, uh, so sp- speaking of Fat Tony, um, Anthony Fat Tony Salerno um, <laughs> would be made... and he was a big boy to be fair um so uh after so when when genovese uh, when genovese when giganti became head of the family he would make fat tony salerno um the front boss or the street boss of the family in order to sort of insulate um giganti and to sort of confuse law enforcement as to who's the boss um, and confuse the other families, to be fair. He was um, the, front the Genovese bum. family have... He was the front bum. Yes, yeah. I'm bringing that up. Um, I remember that. You thought, yeah. you thought I'd he forgotten. Was, he was but... the front bum. Yes, he was the front <laughs> bum. Of the family. Um, so other families do this, but the, the Genovese family have quite a... I want to say tradition. I don't know if that's the right word, but they they like to sort of put in front bosses um who sort of run the day to day and obviously it's a way for the actual boss of the family less chance of them um going to prison um so uh, in addition to extorting garbage shipping trucking and construction companies um in search of labor peace or contracts from unions uh, representing carpenters teamsters and laborers um, including those at the Javits Centre. Uh, Giganti would establish a vast network of bookmaking um, and loan sharking rings. 
he also obtained uh, protection payoffs from the Fulton Fish mar Market merchants. Um, prior to a 1995 raid by New York City officials, um, Giganti also had sway over the Feast of San Gennaro in Little Italy. Um, he ran gambling games, demanded payments from vendors, and kept thousands of dollars uh, contributed to a nearby church. Um, at its height, um, the Genovese family, led by Giganti, made over $100 million annually, making it the most successful mafia operation in American history. And that is a lot of green, my friends. It's a lot of dough. That is many dollar dollar bills. Busy, yeah. Busy being. Many, many dollar bills. I have one job. <laughs> yeah. And I do like one <laughs> thing, generally. And I struggle to maintain my diary. This guy has got fingers in all sorts of pies, and yes. yeah, he he just doesn't even care. I need to, I say, think I need say to what his you help want. with time management. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he probably didn't sleep. <laughs> like he, he's he was probably yeah. Um, I am fond of sleeping, so yeah, exactly. Um, but say what you want about a mafia boss. Um they 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 do a lot of things. Granted all of all of them are legal. Um but the they, they they they've got a lot of plates that they gotta spin. Obviously now the boss of the family, um Giganti uh would impose strict internal security measures um to make sure that himself and you know the whole family didn't go down. Um, Giganti was uh, reclusive and almost impossible to capture on wiretaps. Um, speaking softly, um, eschewing the phone and even at times whistling into the receiver. Um, knowing that FBI operatives would infiltrate and set bugs um, in his home, he would seldom ever leave his house unattended. Um, when Genovese members had to bring up Giganti, they would never say his name. Um, what they had to do was point to their chins or form the letter C with their fingers, um, obviously, instead of um, saying his his name. Um, a sign at uh, his headquarters warned, quote, don't talk, this place is bugged, and he would um, often hold commission meetings in his mother's um, apartment. Um, in a uh, interview with Jimmy Calandra in 2022, um, Giganti's daughter, Rita, um, would say that when he would have meetings um, in her grandmother's house, uh, Giganti would always have the TV and radio on. Um, business would be conducted in hushed tones and bits of paper would be passed around um, uh, which Chin would tell his men to burn when the meeting was finished. Um, that sounds like a lot. I mean, I get it. Um, it, I, I it sounds like it, a lot. But it's <laughs> it's just a lot of things to remember. Like, as as we know, I've not got the best memory, so there's a good chance I'm going to yeah, forget same, same. The, the majority of those yeah. things. And if I'm not even allowed yeah. to say your name, we're going to problem also what kind of a name is for for the audio people i'm pointing to my chin 
<laughs> I mean, that joke hit really well on YouTube. Know, aren't they? Not so much for the audio. <laughs> the, the audio people are just like, uh, I'm not in on the joke. I didn't what's, get it. What, what's ah. happening? <laughs> Somebody tell us. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I would forget to do all of these things. Um, and then when I get when I do get arrested, I'll just be like, oh, man, man, I, I, oh, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. just, I really should have remembered that. <laughs> Didn't burn all my post-its. Fuck. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and sort of, obviously, there's there's a glamour surrounding the life um, and, and all of this stuff. You know, but this is sort of the harsh reality, especially the harsh reality of being, you know, a, a boss of a criminal organization or family or enterprise is you have to do stuff like this. And it just seems seems like a lot of work. Um, though saying that, saying that it is a lot of work and maybe it's a bit much, but, but considering Vincent Giganti's voice was never caught on tape, not even once, even when his own townhouse was bugged. Maybe, maybe it was, it was good to have the, and obviously it is good because <laughs> like he's going to need to, he's going to need to be like, yeah, I'm going to have to sort of do my best to, to stay out of prison. However, Vincent Giganti didn't stop there uh the internal security measures that was that was only a, a slice of of the pie um and he would soon play up his public display of health issues um and this is where his senile old man act would would come into play um giganti would walk the streets of his neighborhood in his pajamas and his bathrobe Conversing one-sidedly with stationary objects such as lampposts, parking meters, um, and would also um, pee in the street. Um, he would slobber, wiggle his head, and mutter to himself whenever a police officer or prosecutor happened to be close by. Um, whenever the FBI would turn up the heat, he would also check himself into psychiatric facilities as well. Um, there were also sort of humorous moments of of him <laughs> keeping up this uh this old man act this old harmless harmless old man who wouldn't hurt a fly who definitely wasn't the head of a of a family and and ordered people murdered and all this other stuff um agents uh delivering a subpoena once discovered giganti in his mother's apartment holding an umbrella while standing naked under the shower um which that that visual just tickles me I mean, greatly. <laughs> I'd love to say I haven't done it. <laughs> the thing is, there must have been like some sort of brainstorming session where he sat like down his his main dudes and was like, "Guys, I'm not seeming crazy enough. I need to seem more senile. <laughs> Let's hit me with some ideas." you know how can i look like i've lost it and one guy around the table was like listen you get in the shower right just standard shower fully naked and he's like yeah that doesn't <laughs> seem that crazy I, I need more i need more and the guy's like take an umbrella 
boom, mic drop, yeah. leaves the meeting. <laughs> Perfect. Oh dear. It's it's I mean, credit. Like he was he was prepared to 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 really he was like, I'm not gonna half ass this harmless old man act. I'm not gonna half ass that I've I've lost no. my, my marbles. I am into the bit. If I gotta stand that's it. If I've got to stand under a shower in my mum's bathroom with an umbrella, um, I'm pretty sure I read that she was also in the bathroom at the time. I don't know. No, if that's oh or not. no, um, too far. So, <laughs> yeah, she. He, he was. He was. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm doing this properly. Um, yeah. Fair play. It's. It's also worth noting that there is surveillance photos of Giganti conducting, you know, mafia business in his bathrobe very lucid so i think the authorities were probably very aware that this was a ruse but obviously they had no they had no proof because no nobody had nobody had become informant yet nobody had you know test you know started to cooperate so they could only sort of build up surveillance photos and and hope that that the mask would slip um but for a long time it didn't um he, he was able to to keep it going um getting away with pissing in the street that whole time if i'd have known that was all it took yeah. <laughs> amy stopped pissing in the street god damn <laughs> i can't help it i'm sorry i'm senile yes i'm in my early 30s not the point <laughs> the stress of life has, has made me lose my marbles very 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 yeah. early on sometimes when you gotta go you gotta go <laughs> I I legitimately pissed in the streets of London when I've needed to, and having I mean, the excuse of being senile to do that would be, you know, <clears throat> not bad. I'd be happy about it. Yeah. Not being senile, obviously. Do you reckon having this is... an excuse? Yeah, yeah. Do you reckon that's the only reason why he even did this old man act? This old man lost his because he was like, I just want to be able to piss in the street. I don't think it was the only reason, but I think it was probably an added bonus when he realised he could do it. Uh, when he was dear. like, hey, if I just piss in the street, it feeds into the whole act. Like, it's kind of okay. No, true. Maybe, maybe I could also do a little poo. Who knows? <laughs> I thought the, 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 the authorities are just, just like, no, that right, that's too far. No, too no, far. We, pissing in the We're street. We're taking you we, in. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> just like um only in... uh, al capone got caught for tax evasion <laughs> vincent giganti got yeah. caught for shitting in the street <laughs> so in addition to 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 him being discovered in his mother's apartment holding an umbrella under the shower um there was uh also an occasion where um when realizing that agents were observing him he just collapsed on the sidewalk and started praying. Fair okay. enough. Cool. <laughs> praying for what? Toilet paper? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just got nothing to wipe. God damn. <laughs> so, so as you can see, um, old Shin was, was quite committed to uh, this act of him being a, a, a harmless old man. Just someone who you know, gone gone a little bit cuckoo and, and likes to walk the streets in his pajamas and can't keep his bladder until he gets home and, and has to relieve himself in the streets. He's 
he's not a he's not a mafia don. No, no, don't be silly. No, no chance. Um, and and you might ask, was it really necessary to to go to such lengths to to stay out of prison? Well, yes, because it worked for nearly thirty years. Um, and to be fair. To keep up that act for 30 years probably means that there is just a little bit of crazy in there. <laughs> just a little, little sprinkling. Just a little bit. A little sprinkling of crazy. Just a little tad. So yeah, it worked for a while. Um, and even when the commission trial um, would send the top brass um, of four of the five families to prison, um, Giganti would manage to stay a free man. And that's because the front boss, Tony Salerno, who people wrongly assumed to be the boss of the family, would be the one to go to jail. And Giganti would get away with, with that and he would stay a free man. Um, and Giganti was sitting there probably laughing a little bit, just being like, ha, ah, got away with that one. It's all um, Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, uh Giganti's act of insanity would finally be put to the test in 1990. Bear in mind that he started this act in 1969. So it's only been put into the test in 1990. So he was able to drag this out for quite a while. Um, Four of the five New York crime families, including the Genovese family, uh, would rig bids for 75% um, or roughly $142 million of the $191 million in window contracts that the New York City Housing Authority granted between 1978 and 1990. For every window installed, insulation businesses had to pay unions between $1 and $2. Um, so, mafia control the unions... They're getting, they're getting a pretty penny from, from that old scheme. Giganti and other members of the criminal families were charged on May the 30th, 1990 for their involvement in said window installation scheme. When Giganti showed up for his arraignment, wearing his pyjamas and his bathrobe, um, his defence team claimed that he was mentally and physically, physically incapable, uh, which led to a seven-year legal struggle um, over Giganti's competency to stand trial. I love the fact that he went to his trial in pyjamas and bathrobe. He was like, I'm committing to the bit. I'm even going to my trial in my PJs and my bathrobe. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the, the bad thing because that's too committed. Like, someone else would have maybe dressed you. Someone else would have been like, oh, he's got to go to court. No, we need to make sure he's not in fucking pajamas. So the fact that he's still in them is probably more of a sign that it's not quite what he's making it out to be. Also, just change your pajamas. You could be. Yeah, I hope he's not been wearing the same ones this entire time. I hope he's got like a rotation going <laughs> of of of. Uh... <laughs> Can you imagine absolute armpit fuck? <laughs> After all that time, I know, so, I know. That's why no one arrested him because Vincenzo. they bear the stench. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Vincenzo, just 
I mean, just at least change your pajamas. Look how crusty these pajamas are. Yeah, you are right, like, my friend. Are you even washing them? Like, come on, <laughs> let's put these in the machine. <laughs> just pop on your Get suit you some for a little while. <laughs> so, at the, these charges um, for the involvement in um, the window installation installation scheme. Uh, scheme uh, were followed up in 1993 with an indictment that charged Giganti with ordering the murders of several um, other mobsters, as well as a conspiracy to commit murder in three other cases. One of these included ordering a hit against John Gotti in 1986, who became boss of the Gambino crime family after he had the previous family boss, Paul Castellano, killed in 1985. Um and why, you ask, would um, Vincent Giganti order a hit against John Gotti, who is another, or who wasn't boss at the time, and that's because this hit was not sanctioned by the commission. And as we've said before, you need to get approval on that shit, especially if you're not a boss. (laughs) Yeah. Defectors from the Genovese family and other mafia organizations who joined the government's witness protection program would provide the majority of the evidence used in both indictments. Um, Sammy the Bull Gravano, he's not a bull, that's not where that nickname came from, Um, the former underboss of the Gambino crime family, Um, and Alfonso, uh, no, Alphonse um, Darko, Uh, the former acting boss of the Lucchese crime family, would testify at sanity hearings in March 1996 uh, that Giganti was lucid during meetings with top mafia figures and that he had admitted to other gangsters that this eccentric behaviour was nothing but a ruse. Um, Giganti's attorneys produced studies and testimonies from uh, psychiatrists and psychologists um, saying that Giganti had multiple hospitalizations uh, for treatment of hallucinations between 1969 and 1995, um, and that he had, quote, dementia rooted in organic brain damage. Mm. But would that be believed by the courts? Uh, no. No, it would not. Uh, partly because the underboss and the former acting boss of two other families were like, yeah, <laughs> this man is is definitely not insane. He's fine. Um, he good. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> he, he is good. Um, and obviously, Giganti probably would have had dealings with both of those people while conducting um, mafia business. Um, so Judge Eugene H. Nickerson um, of the Federal District Court in Brooklyn uh, would decide in August 1996 that Giganti was mentally capable of facing trial for counts of murder and racketeering. Um, the judge concluded that Giganti had, at least up until 1991, used his family's, so his actual family, not his um, criminal family, uh, assistance in a, quote, elaborate deception to mislead psychiatrists about his illness. That's a ride-or-die family right there. My goodness me. (laughs) Do you reckon they were, like, giving him Um, on the wrist when he appeared sane? (laughs) 
<laughs> when he's like, maybe. Oh, I'm just going to pop to the shop. We've run out of milk. They're like, for fuck's sake. No, we haven't. You you think that milk comes from trees and, you know. <laughs> just stop being so sane. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm just popping to the shops to get some milk. And like, he goes out in just like his normal clothes. And they're like, fuck. He's left his pajamas. <laughs> His pajamas. <laughs> like throwing them at him down the street. <laughs> oh dear. A gaunt looking Vincent Giganti would sit in a wheelchair during the trial's month long duration in nineteen ninety seven. Um staring blankly into space while attorneys argued and witnesses testified. On July the twenty fifth, nineteen ninety seven, the jury jury would find him guilty after three days of deliberation. Um, on counts of leading multi-million dollar rackets as the head of the Genovese family and of making an unsuccessful attempt to kill John Gotti and a um, Genovese family informant in the late 1980s. Uh, Judge Jack B. Weinstein of the Federal District Court in Brooklyn would hand Giganti a sentence of 12 years instead of the maximum of 27. Um, and while... 12 years doesn't sound like a lot considering the the crimes um he did have to pay a fine of 1.25 million dollars oh whoa <laughs> i mean that's, that's not a small a amount of money. of money is it that's quite a lot no <laughs> holy damn yeah. um god damn i mean granted he he was probably worth a lot anyway, and the family was probably raking in a lot of money. But still, 1.25 mil is a hefty chunk of change. Yeah. Hefty, I hefty, mean, we've hefty. not all just got that sitting in the bank, have we? So No. As much as I would love 1.25 mil in my bank, yeah, that would be, that would be I would very probably, nice. If I had that much money in the bank, I'd probably still be doing this. Because that's how much I love it. Because we do it for the love of the podcast, not because maybe one day we can make money. <laughs> exactly we we do it for the love of i was gonna say for the love of crime but that doesn't come across the way that i want it to um oh god someone's yeah someone's gonna clip that <laughs> yeah, probably oh well oh well it'll be fine it'll be fine while in prison uh giganti would um continue to be the head of the genovese family um with other members of the family um, handling the day-to-day -day operations. Um, Giganti would relay orders to the family through his son, Andrew, um, who obviously became part of that life and who visited him in prison. You may think that he's now in prison. Maybe maybe he's like, yeah, I should probably drop the act because, I mean, I'm in prison. Like, I, I don't know what. What use is it of me to it's act insane? Um, but Giganti would maintain this lie that he was senile and harmless and crazy until April 2003. So he started okay. it in 1969 and he still maintained it until April 2003. Uh, Maybe it was just really hard to get out of. You know, like once you've committed to a bit maybe. for that long, maybe it's just really hard to. This is why I don't do accents <laughs> on the podcast anymore. Because once I get into them, <laughs> I can't get out. So 
<laughs> Maybe it's a similar thing. Do you reckon he was like, he was like, I've acted crazy for so long. I think I've become crazy. <laughs> it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Like, <laughs> you, you live long enough oh, to see yourself dear. become the villain. That's exactly yeah. what he did. Yeah, exactly. So yes, he continued to maintain the lie that he was he was insane until, as I said, April 2003, um, when he entered a guilty plea to obstruction of justice um, in a federal district court in Brooklyn. As a result of this, his prison sentence would be extended by three years as part of um, a plea agreement that he uh, would take. Um, however, he wouldn't lived to see the full three years of that extension um as on december the 19th 2005 vincent giganti um or one of my favorite monikers vincent the enigma in the bathrobe giganti vincent the robe giganti vincent the crazy don giganti whatever you want to call him um would pass away in prison um at the age at the young age of 77, um, bringing an end to a multi-decade run as one of the most powerful and later, because all the other bosses got sent to prison, the most powerful um, mobster in America. And that is our case on Vincent Giganti. Um, Amy, thoughts, feelings? What do you think of old Chin? Um, I admire the commitment to the bit. Yeah. I really do. Um, but also, I find it really just incredible, to be honest, that someone with a reputation like that, someone that was that powerful, making that much money, did all of it under the guise of being senile and basically wearing a bathrobe the entire yeah. Like... Yeah. The it's... next time I'm in a Zoom call at work and my colleagues are like, Amy, can you please just, just get dressed? Like, put on <laughs> some work clothes because you really need to get out of your pyjamas before you come to work. I'm going to be like, listen, <laughs> love, all right? <laughs> Vincent Giganti ran an entire crime family <laughs> for 20-odd years in his bathrobe. If he can do it, so can I. You know, I'm not trying to run a crime family here. All I'm trying to do is get through another goddamn Monday. So if I want to do it in my bathroom, you <laughs> leave me the fuck to it, all right? That's that's going to be my line the next time that comes up. And believe me, it will come up again at some point. Nice. So, yeah, nice. it's it's very impressive. Um, It was one that I was... I, I don't know many mafia mob stories, as you know. You're the um our resident mob expert. But he was one I think I'd heard of before and I'd heard the story. And I think there's good reason for that. And it's because it's just so, it's, ironically, it's so crazy that that's what he decided to do. <laughs> yeah. It's a hell of a way to convince people that you're just a, a regular old man who's... Just an old dude. Whose, whose cheese has slid off his cracker a little bit and, and you're not you're not all there up top. Um but like you say, he he was able to run a criminal enterprise um and bring in so much money 
under the pretense of being insane. Um, and and for me, it's even more impressive because sort of he became boss at a time when Rudy Giuliani came in, sort of around this time, and the FBI really started to crack down. They really started to go after the bosses of the families, which is something that they didn't do before. They would just go after low-level guys. Um, they started to use the RICO acts more effectively. You know, they put through forward the bail reform acts. They changed the sentencing. They, you know, they really went after the mob um, because, you know, Giuliani has, has stated he wanted to wipe out the mafia. Um, and Giganti managed to hold power at a time when, you know, the, the mafia was just getting absolutely battered by cases and and all of this stuff. Um, so it, it, it's quite impressive that he managed to do this during the era that he was in. Um, and obviously he, he was careful, um, you know, not only the act of, of being, you know, senile and, and crazy, but, you know, he put in all of these internal measures he was quite old school in his approach, I think. Um, and if you compare it to someone like, I don't know, say John Gotti, for example, he was very loud and proud that he was a gangster, that he was the head of a crime family. He was like, I'm proud to be a gangster. I've always wanted to be a gangster. He would rub rub it in law enforcement's face that they couldn't get a case to stick. Um, whereas... Giganti had much more of an old school approach of low as low key as possible because the mafia at the end of the day is supposed to be a secret society. People aren't supposed to know that it exists. People aren't supposed to know that people are part of it. Um, but yeah, it's and then it's like you said, dare I say it's a crazy story. Um, and it's impressive that he was able to hold power in the era that he did and you know, do it in a very unconventional way. Um, but it makes for a, a pretty fascinating read. Like I had a whale of a time <laughs> reading up on this. I thought it was hugely entertaining. And hopefully it's been entertaining to listen to for you, Amy, to listen to for, for the people listening um, to the audio and obviously watching on YouTube as well. Um, with that being said, Amy, would you like to see us out for this week? I know this has been one of my longer episodes, so I do apologise. <laughs> it's all good. We all know how much you love the mob doll. I do. Although if you start acting senile, I'm going to be a bit suspicious. <laughs> um, Damn. Thank you. There goes my crazy act. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. Um, we always appreciate the fact that there are so many podcasts out there <clears throat> and you're here with us. If you like what we do, and you would like to support us there are a million free ways to do so you can follow us on social media um horrorhouse underscore pod on instagram and most other social medias um you can follow us on your podcast app of choice uh you can leave a review leave a like leave a comment share it among your friends and among your enemies and among whoever you like really um spread the word and get people listening to us we appreciate that um 
if you want to reach out to us and recommend a case that you've heard of that you think it would be fun for us to cover please do um it's always nice to get your ideas and your input if you want to support us financially um you can do so you can use the buy me a coffee link um to drop us a few squidlies for a bit of extra caffeine because god knows we need it yeah um and if you can't do any of that absolutely none of it at all then just make sure you come back next week and listen again that's all we can really ask for until yep. then have an incredible week don't do any crime and if you do do crime <laughs> don't get caught but always stay safe yeah if you do crime wear a bathrobe while you do it you might yeah. just get away with it stay very very spooky you lovely lovely people I want an excuse. I love to this case. The <laughs> Become head of the crime, head of a crime family. Yeah, and, go see And act like you're a crazy person. Go see an aisle, and and you're fine. You can shit in in any street you Wherever like. Wherever I want. Yeah, that's yeah. ultimately the dream, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. But then, no, I, I wouldn't be able to because I haven't got the time management skills to be a mob boss. You'll, I've literally got like, three um, calendars and I don't use any of them. <laughs> I could just imagine, like, you're like, I'm not in this for the money. I'm not in this for the power. I'm not in this for the fame. I'm in this because I can shit in any street I want. <laughs> Amen to that, sister. 